From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good evening and welcome to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, Senior Advisor to the President at the Family Research Council and extremely honored and pleased to be sitting in this evening for Tony and especially delighted to have each of you, our viewers and our listeners, joining me this evening. Well, it's been two weeks since a train derailed in northeastern Ohio, spilling all kinds of toxic chemicals and upending, literally, the lives of residents in the town of East Palestine. And since then, there's been nothing but a confusion of information coming from the federal government. It's left local residents absolutely outraged with more questions than answers. Many of them, in fact, are now calling for the resignation of the Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. But the White House is saying that they have absolute confidence in him. So does the president, is he satisfied with the, with the uh, government's response to this derailment? And is he, uh, does he have confidence in it? Yes, absolutely. I can answer that very quickly and very uh, with, with, quick, with confidence from here that we do have uh, absolute confidence in, in Mayor Pete. That was White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday, and in just a few moments I'll be speaking with Congressman Bill Johnson. It is his congressional district that includes East Palestine, and he has been working tirelessly trying to respond to this situation. The federal response to this disaster in Ohio has been muddled. It's been confused at best. It's caused many people to notice that this is, in fact, a pattern from the Biden administration in general, as well as from Secretary Buttigieg himself. Washington stand writer Joshua Arnold is going to be joining me to talk about this in a recent article that he wrote reporting on this topic. So you want to be sure to catch that. And you'll remember that yesterday I discussed that Speaker McCarthy has led a congressional delegation to the border, the southern border in Arizona. The White House, with that uh, CODEL, simply scoffed at it, calling it nothing other than a political uh, photo op. Well, now, today, House Democrat Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries toured the southern border himself and uh, Maybe he went there because he wanted a photo op. Uh, But I'll be honest with you, if he kept his eyes open, he's got a lot to learn. We'll be speaking with Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs about this a little bit later on in the program. And each week seems to bring us more and more disturbing stories on the education front. Well, you may have seen there was a father a couple of days ago in Alaska who was literally silenced at a school board meeting for reading a section of a book from the library that was available to his kids. Digital photos are permanent and impossible to retract once they're out there, so keep your recognizable features out of them before you share them. This is a book for kids. Don't forget to tell your, wait, crop out your face, hide your birthmarks and scars, and edit edit out your piercings and tattoos And don't forget to tell your sweetie how hot they look. Let them know you appreciate the little gift they've sent you. Mr. McDonald? Yes. I'm going to interrupt you at this point. It sounds like you have a concern about a book. I'd be glad to connect you to the superintendent and their team to go through the appropriate process. 
Unbelievable. And and I tell you, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And uh, what this parent, Jay, was bringing up is not simply just about a book. He was not just citing individual examples of obscene materials that are being pushed on children, but literally he was observing uh, a much larger problem, a bigger pattern that's taking place. And he will be joining us from Alaska here in just a little while. And of course, uh, that is just one example of the struggle between school officials and parents all across the uh, country. School districts are undermining parental rights. They're failing to protect kids. They're driving out those who are trying to protect kids. Well, FRC's Meg Kilgannon will be joining me also to talk about that as the program unfolds today. And speaking of that, if you miss any portion of today's program, you'll be able to find it by going to the website, TonyPerkins.com. You can also find not only details of this show, uh, but an archive of previous shows that are also available there. So be sure to check it out, TonyPerkins.com. And don't forget, you can help us. Friends, you can help us right now to stop corporate censorship of conservative viewpoints. We've got one highlight that we've been uh, talking about here recently out of many But if you want to join us in helping stop corporate censorship of conservative viewpoints, simply text the word Newsmax, Newsmax, N-E-W-S-M-A-X, Newsmax, to 67742. You can also go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, and add your name to the petition to stop censorship of conservative viewpoints by AT&T and DirecTV. FRC is hoping we're in process already, but we're going to be delivering thousands of petitions calling for AT&T and DirecTV to put Newsmax back on their platform and to protect free speech. We need your help to do so. All right, ever since the train derailed in northeastern Ohio, uh, producing a chemical spill and massive fires, uh, thousands of nearby residents have literally been afraid for their health They've been afraid for their homes, their pets, uh, and our government. Now, it's taken more than 10 days to even comment on the disaster. Uh, Secretary of of Transportation Pete Buttigieg said yesterday that he, he does not even have any plans to visit East Palestine, saying that this is only one of about a thousand annual train derailments. The Biden administration also has said that the region does not even qualify for federal disaster aid. Uh, This has just left residents extremely frustrated. It's left residents with more questions than answers. And now joining me to discuss this and more is U.S. Representative Bill Johnson. He serves on the House Energy and Commerce Committee and also on the House Budget Committee. He represents the district that is involved in the disaster of this train derailment. Congressman Johnson, great seeing you again, my friend. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Good to see you, Jody. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's our pleasure. Listen, you represent the people of East Palestine, and uh, you've been dealing with day and night now for the last couple of weeks. Tell us what you've seen. Well, I've been here uh, off and on since Monday. I was at the big town hall meeting uh, on Wednesday night. I was here yesterday when uh, EPA Administrator uh, Michael Regan came. Um, look, uh, we're making progress, but uh, we should start at the beginning. Uh, this 
this is a disaster that that should not hit any small community, let alone small rural communities like we have here in Appalachia. Uh, the people here are frightened. Uh, they're scared. They don't. They they're not getting answers to their questions uh, from uh, from Norfolk Southern. Uh, they're concerned about their the air in their homes, the water that they drink. And there's been a lot of confusion. I can tell you that I've been to the site. Uh, I've stood at uh, Ground Zero with the mayor, with the police chief, county commissioners, uh, the emergency health or emergency management team, members of the Ohio EPA, the US EPA, uh, and with, uh, with uh, Norfolk Southern. And I can tell you that according to the mayor and according to the EPA, both state and federal, the local uh, city water is clear. Uh, it goes through a rigorous testing process. Uh, that water is uh, uh, is is uh, way away from, or the source of that water is way away from where the accident happened, and it goes through numerous filters and tests, and they're testing it around the clock. They have had over 500 in-home air tests, and uh, and they have found nothing so far in the homes that uh, that cause alarm. But but look, uh, we can't dismiss the claims of the community uh, about some of the ailments that they're seeing and the fears that they have for their children to go outside. This is in the emergency phase. Uh, there's a long way to go, but uh, I'm going to stay here until these people get the answers that they're looking for. Uh, we're hearing that the CEO of North, uh, Norfolk Southern is going to be here tomorrow. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting with him. And I'm in continual conversations with the mayor, uh, with representatives of Ohio and, and federal EPA. And if there is a bright spot here, uh, the federal and Ohio EPA have worked well together uh, to resolve this problem. And, and while there's still a long way to go, uh, they are uh, they are making progress. Are you at all surprised that the Biden administration is saying that this accident does not even qualify for FEMA disaster aid? I, I was kind of shocked by that myself. Yeah, I'm I'm very surprised by that too, Jody. And I went back to FEMA and said why. Uh, I haven't received an answer from them yet. I mean, if if this doesn't qualify as a uh, as a disaster, I don't know what does. Uh, it, th that's that's crazy. I, I'm also shocked that uh, Secretary Buttigieg has not been here, the Transportation Secretary. But but you know the the, the National Transportation uh, um, uh, Board, uh, the National Transportation Safety Board, they are conducting the investigation. And uh, once that report comes out in a couple of weeks, we are going to see the details. And then that's when Congress will get involved to look at, uh, was the law followed? Uh, were the regulations that were in place adequate uh, for a train carrying those kinds of chemicals? Lots of things left yet to look at. But my number one concern today is getting the people of this community the answers that they need. I came back today. I'm going to be here through Monday, and, uh, and, and I'll probably be back many times after that as well. Well, I wouldn't expect anything less from you uh, being that right there with your constituents at a time like this. Uh, listen, I was also, and I, I wanted to get your response to this, because another thing that shocked me 
uh, statement from uh, Secretary Buttigieg was when he said that this is but one of a thousand train derailings a year. Yeah, I, I want to get your response from that. I think, but but not all tree, uh, derailings have this type of hazardous material pluming up in the air. Uh, this uh, this is a, an accident set apart. What? How do you respond to his comment there? Well, what an outrageous comment, Jody. If I, you know, from my perspective, the secretary has been AWOL, you know, absent without leave. That's a military term uh, because he just has not been tuned into this at all. But why? would he admit to the American public that we have a thousand uh, uh, train derailments a year uh, and it's happening on his watch? And he appears to be, you know, taking it very lighthearted. He certainly has not shown up here. It's gotten to the point here where I don't know if you heard or not. The mayor uh, said earlier today, hey, it, it would be better if the secretary didn't show up now because you know, the, the National Transportation Safety Board has collected their data. They're looking at the uh, doing the investigation. Uh, they they don't want uh, they don't want Mayor Pete coming down here for a photo op at this point. Congressman Bill Johnson, I want to thank you so much for standing in the gap for your constituents as well as your state and our country. We appreciate and are honored to have you on Washington Watch this evening. Thank you very much, Jody. Good to be with you, my friend. Take care. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much, and likewise to you. All right, folks, stay tuned. We're going to continue this discussion regarding the train spill coming out. One of the reporters that reported on this, uh, Joshua Arnold, is going to be joining me here in just a few moments. You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned, and thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. We'll be right back. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with the prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. We welcome you on board if you're looking for news, the current news, from a Christian worldview perspective. You're in the right place, and we welcome you with us. All right, let's continue our discussion here about the devastating train derailment in Ohio. Uh, It certainly has put Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg in the spotlight, but for all the wrong reasons. Uh, This week, there are angry residents of East Palestine in Ohio, and uh, in fact, they gathered for a a town hall, and uh, they started chanting, where's Pete Buttigieg? Uh, Of course, he didn't help himself when he failed to even comment about the disaster until 10 days after it happened. And get this, uh, the mayor of East Palestine told residents that this Tuesday was even the first time that he had heard anything from the White House. So what does this tell us about the Biden administration's priorities? Well, with me now to continue this conversation is Joshua Arnold. He's a staff writer at the Washington Stand, and he reported on this. So, Joshua, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Glad to have you on Washington Watch. Hi, Jody. Glad to be here. Well, thank you so much. I I don't know if you were able to hear any of the discussion that I just had with uh, Congressman Bill Johnson, whose uh, district it is where all of this disaster has occurred. Uh, But this is a a terrible situation for the residents of uh, northeastern Ohio. And look, we may not know the full uh, extent of all the environmental outcomes of this thing for weeks or perhaps even months. And Secretary Buttigieg didn't even make any remarks about this for 10 days until this Monday. Is that correct? It really is incredible. If you haven't seen the footage of the of the flame, it looks like something out of the movies. Um, the derailment happened on February 3rd, and uh, Mayor Pete didn't comment until February 13th. That's 10 days later. And in fact, he only commented, not because he finally got around to it, but, but because he was speaking at a lobbyist conference in D.C. and didn't mention it at all, and a bunch of people got on his case, and then he decided he had to comment. So when I asked the Department of Transportation on Tuesday what he had to say about it, they directed me to his tweets from Monday night after he'd already been taking criticism. Yeah, and it, it was on Monday that he talked about the priorities that we have Uh, all that we share. And in fact, I want to play a little clip here for you and get your response to this. 
We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a, a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing, doing the good paying jobs, don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. All right, I don't know if you could hear that or not, but uh, we may have been having a little difficulties with this. Uh, but look, this, uh, this, this train derailment is not just a problem in East Palestine. Is that correct? That's correct, Jody. Um, according to research done by Newsweek, they've, they've confirmed at least 12 other derailments so far this year. Some of them have been with trains also carrying hazardous materials. In fact, I think this, this uh, yet, today or yesterday, there was another train in, or near Detroit that derailed that also had hazardous materials. Um, but their research showed that um, all the way back to 1990, um, there's been an average of about 1,700 train derailments every single year. And Mayor Secretary Buttigieg, he goes to this conference, and what does he have to talk about? Well, he talked about uh, how there's too many white construction workers, too many uh, people driving gas cars, um, too many traffic deaths. Some of these things we can talk about, but when there's a pressing crisis, you've got to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable, and that was... Uh... Uh, part of the clip was uh, the, the ridiculous priorities coming at a time of disaster. Listen, just do you, are you aware with the derailment of hazardous material now in Michigan? Is there any response from the secretary of the federal government there yet? I haven't been following the issue closely. Um, I do know that Secretary Buttigieg just didn't seem to be involved with this response as well. He seems to be leaving it to other agencies like the EPA or the National Transportation Safety Board when um, his department, the Department of Transportation, should be playing a role in this as well. And that's a common thread we've seen throughout his time as secretary. Yeah, that's really true. And look, we're, certainly you can't put all the blame for every uh, transportation disaster or crisis on him. But the response from him to these uh, incidents and crises are all his fault, but uh, it's certainly his responsibility. Uh, can you remind us of, of, of some of the uh, issues that have taken place under uh, the crises, if you will, that have taken place under the uh, time frame of Buttigieg? Sure. Four quick examples going back to 2021. Um, so think back to last year. We were just coming out of the COVID lockdowns, and we figured that as the economy picked back up, we were going to have a little bit of a, a bottleneck getting goods into our ports from overseas. Uh, but it turned into a major bottleneck because of a shortage of truckers, um, issues with the dock worker unions. And instead of doing anything to fix these problems, they Secretary Buttigieg really didn't accomplish anything. They just kind of kept being a problem. Um, several months into it, he went on leave for two months. He and his um, husband, Chasen, adopted two children, and he just took two months off. Um, there was a, uh, a supply chain disruption task force that he didn't attend meetings for six weeks, and they didn't tell anybody. He just wasn't there. Fast forward to this year, um, there was going to be a strike of the Freight Rail Workers Union. Um, this, we knew it was coming. We knew what date they were set to strike on. Two weeks before it was set to happen, um, Secretary Buttigieg goes on an international vacation. He goes to, to Portugal for a week. Um, finally, at the last minute, they managed to prevent this crisis from stopping our supply chains again. Um, but he didn't have any hand in it. It was a marathon 20-hour um, work session um, 
spearheaded by Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, who actually just left the administration. It was announced today he's leaving. Um, but while that negotiation was going on in Washington, Mayor Pete was touring the Detroit Auto Show. So he didn't have any, anything to do with that um, either. Then we had the holiday flight disaster. So we've had issues with airplane flights getting canceled all throughout this year. In September, Secretary Buttigieg said on national television that this would all be solved by the holidays. Of course, we know that it wasn't. There was a horrific snarl around the holidays. Now, a lot of that was factors beyond his control. There was a major meltdown with one of the major airlines. There was a, a giant blizzard that affected some flights as well. Um, but there was a letter from 38 attorneys general. Joshua, we're going to have to land the plane here. We've got about 15 seconds here. Okay, sure. Um, and the, the main thing is that Pete Buttigieg just, you know, he's all about identity politics and not about helping the trains run on time. Joshua Arnold, thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Uh, stay tuned, everyone. We're going to continue some fantastic information. Andy Biggs will be joining me next to discuss the southern border crisis. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Watch. Great to have you joining us this evening. All right, House Democrat uh, Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries actually toured the besieged southern border today. Uh, but uh, comically, I've got to say the timing of this uh, is just one day after the White House slammed Speaker McCarthy for going to the southern border is nothing other than a, a photo op and political showmanship. So, look, I have been to the border many, many times. I've been to every sector, and I have been absolutely stunned at what is happening on our southern border. It is inexcusable. 
And I'm glad the minority leader has gone today. I certainly hope that it was more than a photo op. I hope he actually had his eyes open. I hope he was paying attention. It is impossible to not see the crisis that is occurring at our southern border. If you just go there and look. And so will Congressman Jeffries acknowledge some of that uh, reality? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is my good friend, U.S. Congressman Andy Biggs from Arizona. He is a member of the House Judiciary Committee, which released a report today. He represents the 5th Congressional District in Arizona. Uh, Representative Biggs, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Great to have you. Congressman Heiss, it's good to be with you. Good to see you again. Well, likewise, great to see you. Uh, Listen, um, I I just got a little, I'll just jump off of what I was just talking about. This whole comment from the White House that these trips to the southern border are nothing more than a photo op. That's all they are. Big photo op. (laughs) What what changed? I've been there with you. In fact, I've been there several times with you. These are not photo ops. No, uh, no, they're not. I mean, when we go, we, we work pretty hard, but but I think they're reflecting on themselves. I mean, so Kamala Harris goes to the border. She hits a margarita at a at a restaurant, gets a margarita. Uh, Joe Biden goes down to El Paso, and Jody, they cleaned it up. It's totally it was totally sad. I yeah. talked to people, and so for them, it was a photo op. But for uh, for us, it's it's uh, information gathering. We have to see it. I'm always trying to get other people to understand the gravity of the situation. That's why I lead all these congressional delegations down there. Yep, you've led a bunch of them. And so let's just let's just go with that. Uh, what would Congressman Jeffries learn on a trip like this if he paid attention, if he actually looked at what's happening? Well, he would discover that our border is wide open, that fentanyl's coming across. You have human and sex trafficking coming across relentlessly. Um, and then you would see that it's the policies uh, that are driving it. So if you, when you had Remain in Mexico policy, uh, you actually had a tremendous impact when you were actually deporting people, removing people who, who had due process even. Guess what? People stopped coming. And uh, so if his eyes are open, he's going to see uh, a, a border that's that's porous. Now, my guess is, Jody, the thing that, that he won't see that he should perceive is that the cartel controls our entire southwest border. Um and so the cartel knows who's coming, and they're going to try to hold people back because they, they don't want to make it look like it is a, a massive run to the border. So, the, so if his eyes are open, he will come to understand that the cartel controls the border, not the U.S. government, not Border Patrol, not ICE, uh, not, not OFO, not, none of them. Uh, it's, and the, nothing, it's the bad guys. Yeah, and nothing good comes from the cartel's control. I recall being on one of those trips with you. And we stopped off an interstate probably 70 miles from yeah. the border uh, inside U.S. territory, 70 miles. And I will never forget the law enforcement officers telling us is right now you are you have a scope on you. You are being watched by the cartels 70 miles inside the U.S. border. It was it's unbelievable what's taking place there. Uh, let, let me uh, real quickly get your response yesterday. Uh, speaker McCarthy, I was really pleased. He's, in my understanding, the first Speaker of the House ever to take a trip to the southern border. But he took a trip with some freshmen. Uh, so I'm proud of him and proud of those freshmen for going. Uh, have you heard from any of them yet uh, as to what they saw, what their reaction was? 
I haven't formally heard. We've heard through back channels, um, and and I know that Mr. McCarthy, the speaker, is is really serious about wanting to get something done. I believe that. I believe that to be the case. Um, and you know, we got the judiciary going again uh, next week. Uh, you've got Homeland Security uh, uh, Committee going next week. So you, you're seeing uh, the, the good news is with McCarthy there and him and and the people, some of us rattling the chain. You're seeing an actual serious move to get down to the border and see what needs to be fixed and talk to the lo- to the local people. That's one of the weird things. I mean, this the Biden administration said, well, there was no. Uh, this is why Democrats aren't going to come to our 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 uh, uh, official hearing next week is because we don't have any federal officials. We're just going to be talking to local officials, elected officials, um, uh, the ranchers, business people, people who are affected by it. They don't. No, right. we don't want to know that. We just want to know what Mayorkas says for Pete's sakes. All right. Let me ask you this last question. We've got less than a minute. Uh, you have filed uh, articles of impeachment against uh, uh, Secretary uh, Alejandro Mayorkas. Explain why real quickly. And we've got 30 seconds. Yeah, you got two things going. I think that he's attacked purposefully the geographical integrity of this nation, which puts the, our sovereignty at stake and uh, puts us in line for dissolution as a nation. Um, and I can give you two, uh, I can give you a myriad of things, but just one of them is he will not let people who have already received due process and have a removal order, he will not let ICE look for them and remove them from the country, if you can believe that. Uh, so he's, he's purposely violating the law. And uh, this catch and release program is outrageous, Jody. Outrageous. It's, it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. Uh, Congressman Andy Biggs from Arizona, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Great to see you, my friend. Great, great to see you. Hope to see you in D.C. soon. Thank you much. All right, friends, coming up, we have a father in Alaska who has been silenced at a school board meeting, and he will be joining us to explain why. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
with just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text S-T-A-N-D to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. An honor to be with you. I'm Jody Heiss, your host. Pleased to be sitting in for Tony. And just a reminder for those of you who have been following the situation with uh, Jacob Kersey. He's the police officer who was forced to resign uh, simply for sharing on his personal social media page his biblical views of marriage. Uh, And you can help us as we work together to ask Mayor Norton and the Port Wentworth City Council to issue a public apology to Jacob. I was personally with this young man just a couple of days ago, and he is a remarkable man. He's standing firm for the faith, and we're standing with him. We want you to stand with us and with him. You can sign a petition by going to frcaction.org slash Jacob, or you can text the name Jacob to 67742. That's Jacob to 67742. We encourage you to to do so and join us in that effort. All right. We have a disturbing incident that took place in Alaska earlier this month as a father named Jay McDonald was silenced at a school board meeting for speaking up against the absolute filth that were in many of the library books that were available to his children. One book, uh, I I can't even believe this, but they had advice for how students could text pornographic photos of themselves to their friends. You know, this is a book for children. Uh, but as Jay McDonald notes, uh, he, was, he was speaking out against more than just one specific book. He was speaking out literally against a culture, a culture of gender theory that's being pushed on all the children in the district. And I'm honored now... Uh, to be joining me from Alaska to discuss this, the father himself, Jay McDonald. Jay, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to Washington Watch. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. So, um, well, did you have like a, a specific question? Or? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I guess I just just to start off, how in the world can these schools even begin to defend 
the material that are in the libraries here. It's it's too embarrassing to even repeat some of this stuff in a public forum with adults, let alone enabling children to have access to these things. Yeah, so I'll tell you. So what I've been doing, I'm I'm not editorial. I'm trying to editorialize as little as possible when I read these books because the most important audience is the people that don't necessarily agree with me. And what I've been doing is I'm just reading the book in context without editing or changing it. And they've, they've been really upset that I'm doing that. And I go and I read a different book every time. Um, so first people were telling me that this isn't real. So I started reading the books to show that like this material does exist and this is what it looks like. And then they started telling me, well, you know, th- those books are, they're old and they're missing and they're not even in the library anymore. So I read a book that's brand new on order, which is the one that you guys were talking about that you had seen. It just showed up in the library. And then so they say, well, the kids never saw that book. So I read a book that has been checked out some 45 times by kids. And they say, well, they're just in the library and they're not actual curriculum. So I've, I've FOIA documents and I've got documents showing that they've been using some of these books that are just as graphic and disturbing as they're on the reading list for English classes. It's not even a sex ed class. It's an English class where these books were read. And that's what I turned up with FOIA documents. I can only see maybe 0.5% of what's out there using the FOIA process because it's very difficult to actually produce evidence through that. And the school board never acknowledged the things that I turned up with the FOIA. They're still, they're still totally silent on that, and they're not willing to speak to it. Um, the Jay, only thing that they oh, – yeah, go ahead. No, a couple of things. First of all, I just want to say thank you for taking a stand and for taking this awareness to the public and for taking it straight to uh, the the uh, school boards. Many of them perhaps know about this stuff. Some of them perhaps do not. But nothing happens until people like yourself stand up and get involved in this. So first of all, thank you for that. But I also want to say this, and if we can segue a little bit into this, your your argument and what you are bringing to the light is not just simply about books. You are highlighting uh, a larger issue, a culture that is involved in the schools. Uh, Explain a little bit about what you mean by that. Yeah, so the the books, if I tell people point blank what's going on, um, first off, it makes you sound crazy because what they're doing, it's so extreme that people don't want to believe that it's true. And then secondly, like you, you have to have the hard receipts to show them how serious this is. So the books are just a tool to show people that this is real and how, and how extreme the problem is. But the books in reality, the books are just a very small periphery portion of the overall agenda. A few years ago, our school board was taken over by some really extreme and radical people led by the like the pre- unofficial president of the school board. Her name is Margot Bellamy, and um, and some NEA influences behind the scenes. And what they're doing is they're pushing the gender stuff on kids starting in elementary school, and they get them confused, and they encourage the kids to experiment and to change their gender identity. And by the time they get up to middle and high school, they've actually begun to transition the kids in school. They're giving them alternate names, alternate um, alternate pronouns, gender identities, and they're doing all these things with the kids, and they're hiding it from the parents. And they're not just not informing the parents. They're taking steps proactively to make sure that the parents don't find out about it. 
I have yeah. all of the evidence that they're doing that. They actually have a they have a gender transition contract posted. It's hidden kind of in an odd page on the Anchorage School District website. Anybody can pull it up right now. And they've got on this contract at the bottom of it, it has a signature block for the kid to sign it and the principal. And there's no parent or guardian signature on it. Like, it's pretty clear what they're doing. Well, Jay, I'd, again, uh, I've got another guest I want to get to to go into this and some other issues happening ar- around the country. Uh, but again, hats off to you for making a stand. Uh, we are really uh, seemingly coming into an era where uh, some of these school boards believe they know better than parents themselves. And so uh, thank you for taking a stand and thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Yeah, thank you. And I hope that people think, you know, if this is in Alaska, then it's everywhere because it is. So thank Absolutely. you very much. Thank you. All right, friends, uh, as you just heard from Jay McDonald, instead of uh, focusing on the basics of education, so many of today's schools also mix age-inappropriate books, uh, gender unicorns, gender-bred people, uh, and sexual assault cover-ups with, with uh, just a typical reader. This stuff is just inserted with uh, in the midst of reading, writing, and arithmetic, so to speak. And as we see over and over again, school districts are all too often uh, involved in efforts to undermine parental rights. They're involved in efforts uh, to literally fail to protect our children, our kids. And then uh, most alarming, well, among they try to drive out people who stand up to do the right thing. I mean, all of this put together is an absolute disaster uh, that's happening in our educational system, and it it is going to uh, result in horrible outcomes. Joining me now to dive into this further is FRC's Senior Fellow for Education Studies, Meg Kilgannon. Meg, thank you again for joining us. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Jody. It's good to see you. Great to see you. All right. First off, your reaction to what we just heard from Jay McDonald. Well, I I wish that I was shocked. I am horrified. Uh, This is exactly the sort of thing that's been going on all across the country. Um, Parents go to school board meetings. They question uh, material that's in the library, for example, or material that's actually assigned reading in a curriculum that they feel is not age appropriate for not just their child, but really for all the children in the class, perhaps. And um, the the school board officials and the, the administration is oftentimes just not interested in accommodating those concerns and they sort of have the attitude of we're the experts and we know what's best for your kids. And they know that they can kind of wait you out. You know, you're, you probably only have one or two kids in the school system and you're going to cycle those through and eventually you'll be gone, right, as the complainer. And so yeah. um, it's been nice to see a sustained uh, and consistent and continuous pushback on these things and that this is a phenomenon that's happening all over the country and is starting to get media coverage. It's really Uh, a positive step forward, even though it's a terrible topic. Yeah, it is a terrible topic, and it's it's embarrassing to read. It's infuriating to read. The more I learn about this stuff, uh, the more upsetting it is. And you just said something that really uh, hit home. 
where in essence you you basically said we're we're seeing these elite individuals uh, somehow uh, adopt a belief that they are more qualified to make decisions than parents are. In fact, uh, California is a horrible uh, situation right now. We have a, a teacher there in California, a Christian, who was recently fired because she refused to lie to parents in regard to this whole so- social uh, transitioning uh, that's taking place at school. And, and she was instructed to keep it quiet. Don't let the parents know about this. And she was fired. Tell us about that situation. Right. It- This is very similar to a situation in Loudoun County as well. Uh, We don't have legal documents yet in this case in California, but this is an elementary school teacher who's teaching a PE. And so she's probably also teaching health curriculum at the same time. And um, she, as a Christian, said that she just simply could not go along with pronouns. Uh, But more importantly, she couldn't go along with any attempt to hide a situation like this from a child's parents which I think is also a really important part of this this case. Uh, and so she apparently has been fired, and um, it'll be interesting to see how the state of California responds. In Loudoun County, when a, a young teacher, a, a, a PE teacher stood up against this. Well, tell, everybody Cross, where Loud, tell everybody where Loudoun County is. Uh, Loudoun County, you can see it from my back porch. <laughs> Loudoun County is in Northern Virginia. Here okay. in the suburb of Washington D.C., and um, and so Tanner Cross in Loudoun County uh, had a similar issue, and he uh, his contract was not renewed, and he actually did sue the school system and has is reinstated and is teaching now in that county. So, well, it'll be interesting to see what the situation is in California. I expect it'll be a little bit different for for a California teacher than for a Virginia teacher. I hope. Anyway, but um, yeah. Loudon has had a lot of issues lately. Yeah, but listen to this. I mean, here we are in this one program in a matter of 10 minutes. We have gone from Alaska to California to Virginia. I mean, these type of cases of an assault on our children in the public school system is happening nationwide. Yes. Uh, you, you you mentioned Loudon County there. I mean, we, uh, they, they have been hiding a... a uh, a case involving a sexual assault. They have been hiding that. And, right. and uh, in fact, I have a clip here. I want to uh, listen, listen. If you can play clip five here real quickly. To continue to bury the truth in what occurred throughout the horrific sexual assaults in 2021 does not demonstrate justice, integrity, or service. It exudes self-preservation. We have a duty to serve constituents with integrity. And the only way to see that through is to unapologetically and courageously embrace sharing the truth and to release this report with any necessary redactions to to protect minor confidentiality. That was Tiffany Polifko. She is one of the good ones on the school board in uh, in Loudoun County. And listen, she's right on. We've got to be honest and transparent. Parents need to know what's going on. So what's the reasoning with this school board to keep the report that she was referring to secret? So the report that she's referring to was ordered by the school system itself. It's a case of them investigating themselves. And, uh, you know, the public suspects that they didn't do a good job investigating themselves, and that's why they don't want to release the report, right? Or conversely, if they did do a fairly decent job, maybe even in trying to hide some things, there are some inconvenient facts that they don't want to have released. 
and it is an election year in that county in 2023, the school board members will be up for re-election. So wow. this is a very inconvenient time for them. And so they don't want to release this report. And it is just incredibly insulting to the citizens of the county, to the to the other. There are many good people working in Loudoun County Public Schools, and they are all besmirched by this kind of behavior of a few people in that county. And so it, it would really be in everyone's best interest to be as transparent as possible and release this report. But you saw in the vote that they the, that school board is not going to do it. Six to three. Yeah, listen, and you said it's an inopportune, uh, inopportune time for the school board, but it is a great opportunity for the voters to do something about this. And, you know, it looks to me like there's a number um, of the members of the school board probably ought to be uh, voted out. But this, like you said, we've got less than a minute. You said this is in your backyard. Do you have any idea overall how the community reacted to the decision? The community was very disappointed that the report was not released, and I, I hope that we'll be able to see uh, some turnover on that school board and that we will see in Loudoun County that what we have seen all across the country in terms of parents acting out to, to, to take back their school boards. We have resources at www.frc.action slash schools, and so we hope that you'll visit there and, and consider a run for school board yourself. Meg Kilgannon, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch and for staying on top of this. Uh, hats off to you. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch this evening. Thank you. All right, friends, listen, we are here to keep you informed to some of the major issues happening in our country and how you can be involved to help make a difference. So we're honored to have you joining us tonight and each night on Washington Watch. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Keep the torch ablaze. Keep praying. We'll see you next week right here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.